Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Kaylin Patterson, Midwest Muscle People, Be Real Talk in the house. And this program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug free sponsor foundation in the world. And if you are a drug free athlete, let's put Solid Foundation standoff and a vehicle to drive your goals like a Mack truck through ice cream. Check us out at P4PMuscle.com. And now let's chit chat with a banter. Guys, yes, yes, you read right. Yes, you read correctly. We have two very established and very understood individuals on this show to dispel a lot of myths, speak about their upcoming book, and also share with us what they have going on in the future. I'm talking about Peter Fenton and Cliff Wilson. Yes, you heard correctly. They are on the show together. How does that happen? Well, they'll explain for themselves. Pete, introduce yourself, and then we'll get Cliff on and get this show started. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. So um, I've, I've been on the show before, so I know a lot of you probably know yes, who I am. But if not, yes, yes. Um, but if not, um, you know, my background. Um, so I've been competing in natural bodybuilding since 2004. Uh, I won my pro card in 2012. Um, I also have a PhD in nutrition. Um, I went to school for about 11 and a half years getting three degrees related to this stuff. Um, I got my CSCS, so I'm a certified strength conditioning specialist, and I've been coaching um, full-time since graduating school. Um, so, it, you know, it, that's what kind of led up to, uh, you know, the writing of this book. There you go. Flip. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, I don't know if I've actually been on the P4P podcast with you guys before. I know, Kalen, we've done a couple of interviews before, but... Um, yes, I think so may have been for, yeah, yeah. So uh, for those that don't know much about me, I am also a competitive natural bodybuilder. Uh, I did my first show in 2008, um, and I turned pro in 2016. And then uh, I started coaching full-time uh, at the very end of 2011, and uh, uh, I've been pretty fortunate to work with some really good athletes. Um, and so over the course of my career, I've uh, had something like a little over a hundred, uh, pro card winners and, uh, um, nine world championships and, uh, and something like 60, some, I can't remember the exact number, something like 60 plus, uh, pro titles and Pete's one, Pete's one of those. <laughs> so I am, so, I did win a yeah, pro show. Pete, Pete, Pete it has, it only had three guys in it. So I'm, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, Pete and I are both those lucky, lucky guys that get to live and breathe bodybuilding uh, all day, every day. And he and I uh, see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, I, I would say more, more so than most other people you'll meet. So we decided to team up and write this book to give, um, give an approach that would be effective. And um, it would be effective for people of all levels. Um, I think that, that's one thing that a lot of people miss out on is uh you know, sometimes you can put out a book that will be effective for beginners, but not necessarily for advanced competitors. Yeah. So we just uh, we thought we would put something out that would benefit everyone. Yeah. And well, mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because before we get into the the show, you know, when when you guys were starting, you know, there was a lot of misinformation that you really had to fight against, and I mean an awful lot of misinformation. And you know, somehow, some way. You, you found a way to basically tone it down, get rid of the gimmicks and the rhetoric, and basically get truth and facts back into this 
sports that we love. Now that you see, you know, it kind of died down and now it's rearing its head again, is, is this book going to basically help dispel that myth again, or, or did you beat it even better this time where they can actually hold on to that information and not be so so easy to fall prey to this new gimmicks and new uh, trends of misinformation? Pete, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this will be good. I mean, information, you know, like Cliff said, that that anybody can can use. And um, you know, I I wish I had some of the resources that are available now when I first started competing. Because, like you said, there, I mean, 2002 or so when I got into the sport, did my first show in 2004. Um, you name things that you probably shouldn't do during prep, and I think I did them. Uh, a lot of fasted cardio. Uh, set meal yeah. plan, cheat days, uh, cut water before show my show. Uh, you know, my reps range went exclusively high rep. Like I just stopped lifting heavy. Um, you know, I, basically you name it. Like I, that was my first prep. Like I think I did everything. You know what I mean? Um, so I've been yeah. there. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's the same for you or not, Cliff, but that I know mine definitely was. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I did as. I mean many crazy things as you just listed, but I definitely made a, a lot of mistakes. I definitely, I, I definitely made a lot of mistakes, but you were younger when you started than I was. So Yeah, um, I was 18 and it was 2004. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, but I will say this, I think, I think one of the things that Pete and I really see eye to eye on is that when we both got into the sport, I would say a decade ago in particular, when things started to change, like, um, like, you know, before the show started, Kaylin, you said that a lot of bodybuilding information has been passed on through the gym. It's been like these gym yes. myths, you know? And and so um, I think when Pete and I were really starting to come up, especially in our coaching careers and stuff like that, um, these these nonsensical gym myths were really, really popular. Um, and yeah. Pete and I had to oh, fight against those. So then there was sort of like a turning of the tide where then everything has become and and for the better, I might add, um, very science-heavy approach, which, I mean, Pete mm-hmm. and I, uh, Pete, ha- Pete has his Ph.D., so clearly he is uh, appreciative of science. And even <laughs> though I don't, if, if, even though I don't have my uh, degree, um, I think anyone would agree that I um, use a scientific approach. But, however, I, yes. I think that it's almost switched. I think it's almost switched where the um, the scientific crowd has, begun to use these black and white approaches um and so like in the name of science they'll say this is the best way to do it and um you know i i think that i think that um pete and i would both agree that um there are a lot of things where science tells us this way is better but um sometimes i think that it ignores real life applications so pete and i with this book try Mm -hmm. to um use what science tells us is a correct approach but not ignore what we also see happening in real life. Um, you know, Pete and I mm-hmm. together have, have, you know, many, many years of experience. So, you know, sometimes if we see something happening in real life, we're like, we're not going to ignore this. <laughs> and so, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, this, this, whole, this whole book is kind of a blend of, of what science has to tell us as well as what our experience tells us. Well, and yeah. I was going to say, too, I mean, that's, that's why I think it, it – uh, um, that's why I think it, like – the two of us writing this together, like I always tell people like this book, having you write this with me makes it better than I could have written on my own. And having me write it with you makes it better than you could have written on your own. You know what I mean? Like it's, it takes both, you know what I mean? 
you know, it takes both of us and kind of just blends the best of it to, to, you know, be better than either of us could have done on our own, basically. Now that's some real talk for sure. Uh, one of the things, yeah. and, and I look that because as a construction worker in the, in the past, you know, there was a lot of things that looked great on a blueprint until you had to put it to brick and mortar, and then you got the surprise of your life because everything was usually in the wrong place under the wrong format. So it's not an easy thing to basically take the blueprint and still get in a, a real-life application. So now getting into the book, and I'll start with Cliff, uh, how did this come up? I mean, how, how did you guys collaborate to where this all made sense and you said, hey, why don't we put this in the book now? Because it's, it's, it's very much needed, especially when you're going against so many myths and so many myths truths. But well, you know, Pete actually came to me with this idea. Um, this was a, originally Pete's idea, and he wanted to know if we were gonna wanted to do it together. And so we started working on on this book together. And um, originally, we had set out with the idea of just self-publishing it. And then uh, a- along the way, um, Human Kinetics got word that we were working on this project, and they wanted to pick it up and publish it. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think that Pete and I see eye to eye on so many things like I, I mean Pete, you and I have taken road trips together and I think that when he yeah. and I get in the same place same when we get in the same place together it's like constantly us talking about things that we know to be true about the sport of bodybuilding and also like it's kind of like us sometimes griping like why can't people understand this <laughs> you know and Pete, like, I know. <laughs> and then and then Pete will say then people Pete will say well, I can't believe that people still do this. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> so um, we get really, we get really fired up and really passionate about it. And so, um, we're, yeah. you know, it was kind of, kind of natural writing this um, because all of those conversations that we've had before in the past, kind of, we just got to let them flow out onto the paper. And, um, yeah. and, and I, and say, the I, funny feel, thing I is, feel bad for Ray, Ray on that road trip to the first physique summit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My buddy Ray had to listen to me and Pete, like just <laughs> not. I think I think we I think we you and I talked for seven hours straight, um, and and you know so you, and you you want to get an idea about how this book went too. When Pete when Pete came to me with the idea for this book, I think that something that was said either he said it or I said it. One of us was like, you know, nobody's really done anything like this before. Um, but, you know, I think we can make this a nice, easy read of, like, 100 pages or so um, of a small book, like a little handbook. And we're like, yeah. And then by the time we have finished, we have 250 pages of single-spaced, uh, 8 by 11 and a half. Like, we have, we have written so much. How many total words does this thing end up being in the end of it? Uh, I, I think it's, like, 70, 75,000 or more, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we crap. thought this was going to be a short read. Yeah, we thought it was going to be a short read, and it was almost like we had to stop ourselves from adding more. We ended up at like seventy-five thousand well, words. Yeah, so because it was, you know, when we we first wrote it before it got picked up by Human Kinetics, we had written like a twenty twenty-five thousand word book or something, and and when they they picked it up, they're like, we want to, you know, we like it, but we want to see like one and a half to two times this length at least. We're like we can do that. So we sat and we're like, what else do we want to add? Let's make this as good as possible before we knew it. It was three times as long. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they were like, great. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, we, uh, this is a, a good thing because there's something that a lot of the, the people that follow uh, P4P Real Talk is that, you know, we do a lot of road trips, and there's a lot of uh, meeting of the mind, and it, it's so good that you guys are, are, can and, and engage in that and, and share, you know, all the information that's being passed along those trips because even though the show is great, there's a lot of backstory to them. And, and you know, you guys have worked. You just, I, I'll let you guys put names out. You've worked with a lot of top elite uh, national bodybuilders, and it's not a small feat to do that. So you've got some of the best of the best in, in the national community. Uh, Pete, I'll let you start with some of the names, and then Cliff, you can bring it home. But how many just upper echelon competitors do you guys have, have been blessed to uh, to engage in? Yeah, I think Cliff's probably got me on this, but I mean, I I have probably close to ten pro winners at this time at this point, and then probably twelve, fifteen pro card winners, something along those lines. So not quite where where Cliff. I'm not in the triple digits yet on those pro card wins like Cliff, but um, yeah, I've I've worked with a number of competitors. I mean, you know, people that have clients of mine that have won pro shows would be like Jess Orban's won a couple, Taylor Stevenson. Um, you know, well, Ashley Allen won a pro show this last year. Kylan Folkers. Um, I got a slew of pros competing this spring um, so that I'm pretty pumped about. I I got, I think, at least four natural pro bodybuilders targeting spring, spring pro shows around the Midwest, so that should be a pretty fun spring for me also. Um, and I have at least one bikini pro and a lot of amateurs also targeting spring shows. So... Cliff. All right. Yeah. So I was um, gonna say, is yeah. Cliff, were you okay? Yeah. So I, 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 I mean, if you, yeah, I gave you some of the numbers that I've worked with. Now, once again, um, I, I will say that number of wins isn't always indicative of how effective someone's plan is. Even though I've had a lot, uh, I, I think it's just that sometimes people's genetics play a big factor in whether or not you get a win and who shows up, you know, but, but I will say this, um, here's something that I find really interesting. And in fact, I was giving a a seminar this past weekend. And one of the things I touched on was the fact that, um, I think a lot of people don't get as much out of their potential as they can. Some of my absolute best clients, I mean, when I say best, I'm talking people that have won world championships, um, I've had I've had multiple clients that have won world championships and or placed top three at the world championships that had coaches before me, and their coaches didn't get everything they could out of them, and um, you know that is that is because I think a lot of even good coaches good coaches I think continually sometimes um, miss the big picture stuff that allows competitors to. Um, be their best, and it's things that, in this book, Pete and I stress. Um, you know, little things like show selection. I mean, Pete and I, in this book, we really harp on show selection because I think a lot of people, uh, you know, um, massively uh, miss guess their show picture. And in fact, I, I did some just for fun. I went through my applications because whenever I decide if I'm going to work with somebody, I go through their application. And they tell me what show they want to do. And uh, uh, a lot of times I have to decide if they can be ready by that show date. 
And just for fun, I went through recently and decided how many people are able to be ready by the show they have picked out. And the answer was, in my applications, 4%. <laughs> Only 4% of people uh, of my applications can be ready by their show date. So Pete and I cover, like, big picture type stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think when you're looking at elite competitors, it's not just, you know, protein, carbs, fat, you know, which exercises do I do? I think the big picture stuff is the thing that people go wrong on. Well, and, and what's crazy, too, with that 4% number is a lot of your clients at this point are pros or national-level NPC competitors or, you know what I mean, like really high level. Um, to have You know what I mean? For the percentage to be that low is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, I mean, they that, just pick wrong. Oh, go ahead. That raises an interesting point to me. Sorry to be cutting you off there, but I – I wonder, I mean, why that is. And you guys weigh in as coaches. Do you allow your athletes more so drive the shows they're targeting? Or how much do you weigh in on that decision? Because I know for some athletes, the goal is what drives them. So they set the show to stay motivated to hit that. But then, you know, maybe that's not the right approach. (laughs) If only 4% are truly ready by the time that show rolls around. Pete, can I, can I chime in on this one real quick? Yeah. Okay, so um, actually this is one thing that I catch a lot of flack on, but when my competitors tell me things, so I don't choose their shows for them. Um, you know, if they tell me they want to do a show, I can either tell them, yes, they are able to be ready by that date, or no, they are not able to be ready by that date. Um, but for the most part, I discourage goal setting. Um, I think there okay. there is actually a, some there's some decent um, there's some decent research showing that goal setting actually hinders your results because you are not focused on achieving your ultimate potential you know uh, what they would call self actualization um, you're focused only on your goal which so there's two problems let's say I set the goal of um, I want to you know, have this goal of competing at this show, what usually happens is um, there's a lot of ups and, ups and downs because you're so focused on this one goal. And then after the show is over, what happens? You're goalless and you fall off plan. A lot of people that are goal setters have massive struggles in the post-show period. Um, whereas gotcha. your, goal should, your, your goal shouldn't just be – the date can't be the thing driving you. And if we're going to use something like a uh, – Let's say I say I want to deadlift 400 pounds by January 1st. Well, if it looks like I am ahead of schedule, then I might be inclined to ease up a bit because it looks like I'm going to hit my goal. Maybe I could have done more than 400 pounds, but I didn't. Um, or let's say I give it everything I have, but maybe it's not within my genetics to get 400 pounds by January 1st. Maybe there was nothing I could have done. Maybe I just set my goal too high, and in which case I'm going to feel defeated and depressed when there was literally nothing I could have done to hit that goal anyway. Um, So there should only be one goal. I always tell my clients there should only be one goal, and that goal is simply to be as good as we can possibly be at all times. (laughs) And then we will – everything else will fall in place. Oh, it totally makes sense. Peter, do you have anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that, that, you know, well, one thing I know you mentioned was the post-show period, um, you know, how people who, if, if everything, you know, if it's this date or bust, and then, you know, everything's focused on that date, a lot of times they fall off track, you know, in the post-show period. Um, that's where you get binging and things like that, because that date's gone, and there's nothing motivating them anymore. Um, and so, you know, one thing I always try to tell clients is, you know, just because you die down a step on stage doesn't mean like that that's an end point. Like your goal should be continuing to get better. So like the next time you get on stage in two or three years, like you should be better than you were, you know what I mean? Or than you were this time, you know, and it should be continual improvement. Um, not just like this is a drop dead end date and everything ends then, you know? Um, Cause you know, a lot of people take it that way, you know, when a show gets done or when a contest season's over, they treat it like there's, there's nothing else like bodybuilding just gets thrown out the window till it's time to diet down for a show again. And they're massively over stage weight. Yeah. And, and we cover gotcha. that in the book too. Like the, po- we, we do cover the post-show period in the book as well. Um, because I do think that's something that, um, like Pete said, a lot of people just don't prepare for and nothing is when the show's done, you're still not done. You know, if, if you want to be a, continue to be a great bodybuilder, you're never really done. You just keep going. Um, if you win your show, yeah, that's all. Uh, that, if, if yeah, if you if you win your show, that's great. Next day, you got to get you know get back on some sort of plan. If you lose your show, that you know that stinks, but you still got to get back on plan. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And I think, and I think there's a, a little bit of confusion out there um, with some of our listeners because, like I said, you know, and I'm I'm guilty of being lumped in this group as well. Is um, you know, of picking a show and, and working towards that show. And, and Lynn is asking, well, if there is no goal, then what's the point? How do you stay motivated? And I think what I'm hearing you say then is that it's not that there isn't a goal, but it's picking a better goal. And the goal is to be the best that you can be. And when you're striving towards that, then the shows just kind of fall in place as maybe, um, you know, checkpoints or test points to see how you're progressing against that ultimate goal, I think. Yeah. Is what you yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, the, the goal is to be All as right. good as you can possibly be. And, and, and I would say that um, – and I would say I try to discourage um, more process-focused fo- process thinking rather than result-focused thinking um, because focusing on results, doesn't do anything to actually improve your results. A lot of people will talk about, I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. But focusing on winning doesn't help you win. Focusing on your process helps you win. Does that make sense? Um, you know, the, the better sure. your process is, um, you know, so I, I, whenever my clients tell me things like I want to win or I want to play top five, I tell them, well, that's not even in our control. Let's not even think about that. Let's focus on your next meal. Let's focus on your next training session, your next good night of sleep, because those are the only things that are going to make a difference to help you win. And so, um, and, and the other thing is, as far as motivation, um, the other thing I would say, and I know Pete would agree with this, I think you have to enjoy what you do. I think that's, that'll keep you going. If you struggle with, with continuing moving forward, then I think you need to start looking for ways to enjoy what you are doing. Um, cause if the only thing that is keeping you going is the end result, you're probably not going to make it in the long run. Um, you need to find a way to have fun with what you were doing and enjoy it. 
Exactly. And, I mean, that's something that Kayla and I have talked about before on our shoulders. When you cease to have fun doing something, then there's really no longer any point in doing it if it's not, like, a necessary part of of life, of your existence. Kaylin? Yeah. Um, I, I, oh, well. I, I was, no, no, I'm here. I'm here. I, I was really excited because, you know, one thing scared me about natural bodybuilding first got into, you know, involvement is that so many people were suffering with diets and they're eating. That was the one point they wanted to do it. Because there's so much pain involved. Because every sport I played, I enjoy. And uh, to see, you know, so many people talking about they just hope they made it to the show and they hope they could get on stage and present their best. I was thinking, my God, why would anyone even want to bother? <laughs> but, uh, you know, now you guys have involved and, you know, the, the, the the scheme has changed and the platform has changed, and thank God the foundation has been rearranged. Now it's actually fun, and you do see people enjoying themselves on stage, enjoying the time backstage, and enjoying themselves after the show. So it's it's a lot different, and I'm thinking, God, that you guys can cover that into the into the book. And I gotta hear more about this book, but I'm gonna let, I'm gonna hand it back to Dez so we can get this uh, show keep going. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've got more listener questions that are waiting here on deck. This next one is from David, and he wants to know, when is the book expected to be officially released? Because I know it's not out there yet, but I believe you can pre-order, so I'm going to throw that little tidbit out there. And when you guys are attending shows, will you be bringing copies of the books with you, um, I guess, for sale and signature? Um, so the book, so the book is due out sometime late March, early April. Um, as long as all goes according to plan, a lot of it in a lot of this stuff from here on in is kind of out of, out of our control. I mean, you know, we have basically everything submitted, so it's more just the publisher finishing everything up. Um, as far as bringing books to shows, I don't know, um, what the process is with that since we do have a publisher and we'd have to, I don't know how that would work. Um, that's probably something we'll have to look into down the road, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, it'll definitely be out pre-order, um, I think is up already on Amazon. I saw and you can pretty much get it on any platform. I mean, I think that it's available for like Kindle and, and all of that as well. So, or hard copy or whatever. So anywhere there that human kinetic books are sold or any form, um, you can get it in. Yeah. And and I do believe that, uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, like Pete said, you know, some of the date is kind of out of our hands. Um, you know, we were talking about it before the show, but uh, some people have, like, like asked Pete and I, like, how come you're dragging your feet finishing it up? Um, <laughs> Pete and I have actually been done. We've been done with writing this book. By the time the book is released, Pete and I will have been done with our writing about for a full year. Um, it just takes a really, oh, really nice. long time to get a book. Yeah, yeah, Pete and I finished writing uh, last April. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but it, t- it takes a really long, yeah, it takes a really long time to get a book published through a legitimate publisher. And especially with, um, human kinetics, um, you know, publishing a lot of textbooks and things like that. They have a pretty rigorous, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, publishing process. Um, but yeah, uh, the editing process. That, yeah. The editing process and the review process was pretty, pretty insane. Like, uh, you know, sometimes Pete and I would, submit something and they'd be like great we passed first community review 
we're like, oh, how many committee reviews do we have to go? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> well, I think you guys, yeah. I think you guys are reading our listeners' minds because our next question is from John, and he was just wondering from start to finish, how much of a headache was it to get this book pulled together? I wouldn't well, say it's a headache. It's a lot of work, but I mean, I, I think. I don't know if Cliff would agree with this or not, but I think getting a publisher on board definitely helped, um, you know, because there's a lot of stuff we didn't know. Like we knew, we knew the content, <laughs> like, and so we could write the book, but like a lot of the other details, like the, like professional editing and making it look all nice and printing it and distribution and um, marketing and all that stuff. Like we don't really, that's not our area of expertise, you know, and I mean, we could probably try to figure it out, but I don't know if we, neither of us had time to, you know, to do that. So um, bringing them on board made it a lot easier because we just like a lot of our work was just, I mean, writing the book and collecting pictures and just submitting stuff like that was pretty much our only job with this, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with, with bringing, with bringing the publisher was great because um, like the way I would describe it is, uh, you know, Pete and I were great at knowing the content, but we had never really put a book together. And it was kind of like, you know, when people hire us as coaches to take them into a bodybuilding show, it was kind of like us hiring a coach to help us put together a cohesive book. And um, they really, you know, yeah, they, they, they helped us make a better book than we would have made on our own. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah. And and we include a lot of things that, yeah, you know, that, they have, they have, the, they have the process for creating um, great books, and they helped us. You know, we, 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 you know, they pushed us to make a better book in the end than we would have made on our own. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the cool thing is too, since you know they're the publisher for the uh, National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, I, I think there's talk of making like continuing education course out of our book potentially. Um, for like a CSC wow, cert or cool. something like that. Um, I don't know yep. that that that's not. I don't think in writing or done or anything like that yet. But there have been talks that that might be happening also. Well, All right. Well, that would be awesome. I mean, a pleasant surprise to come out of that. So very cool, guys. Keep our fingers crossed for you on that. Um, so the book's not out yet, but we've seen the cover, and I see that Sam Okanula is on the cover of the book. So can you give us, um, I don't know, a little sneak peek as to some of the athletes that you featured and maybe a little bit into how you chose who you, um, who you, who you included in your book? Pete, I'll let you take that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there are, I think I counted, so we're still in the process of collecting some of the last signatures on, on pictures, but we, had all of our pictures submitted um, from athletes or there were a couple photographers um, that we worked with um, to get uh, pictures, you know, and fill in some of the holes also. But um, we needed an image, basically a front back image, you know, or basically every pose of every division, you know, um, and there's seven divisions. So we needed a lot of pictures plus some other ones throughout the book and cover and stuff. So I think there's 71 pictures. Um, I don't know, there's like 35 or something like that, different people. Um, it was a combination of who submitted pictures that were high enough resolution, um, who, you know, you know, they had to be, there were specifics that we needed 
um, for the pictures to qualify. So the people who submitted that um, and then just different people, yeah, that, that they chose or we knew. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, we, you know, the cover, we just submitted it. We, we sent them probably what a dozen different pictures and said, you know, here's, here's about a dozen pictures that'd be good for the cover. Pick what, you know, what you guys want. And that's what they came up with. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, Um, going back to that, going back to that previous question um, of how much of a headache was it to pull this book together, pulling the book together and writing the content, which we knew very well, wasn't all that difficult. Um, No. Getting the pictures together was very difficult. (laughs) Um, Yes. Because because we needed, you know, even, even for like posing chapters and things like that, we needed, like Pete said, very high resolution pictures because this is going to be a very big book. It's going to be, um, I think, what was it, eight and a half by eleven? Um, yeah, eight and a half by eleven so, inch print size, and the okay, pictures are going to take large, up most yeah, of a page. A <laughs> yeah, so so we need very right. high resolution pictures. So we need a very high resolution pictures, which discounted a lot of the pictures that we had submitted initially, yeah. uh, because most people just then didn't they had have to be stage shots. Then they had to be stage shots. And then we needed to uh, get. They some had to be people by themselves. People by yeah. themselves. Uh, they they had to be people that were. And then they had to be people that were actually executing the pose correctly. <laughs> and so um, yeah, when you get all of these factors, when you when you get all when you get all of these factors together, it was hard to find some pictures for the book. But in the end, I think we found some great pictures of some great athletes. And like Pete said, we tried to make it of people that were really in the industry and people that, you know, we had known. A lot of them are our clients even. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end when, you know, we, there was, there were some holes, you know, some of the divisions have a lot of poses and there aren't frankly a ton of people that compete in them. And some of them are newer even, you know, and so it made it more, you know, some of those divisions more difficult. And that's where, um, uh, you know, Scott Diesler and, and Matt Shapley just came in in the clutch and, and, hooked us up with some really high re- good high res pictures um to fill in the rest of the holes after everything that was submitted. So those two guys those two guys definitely helped us out a ton. Yeah, yeah. Scott Scott and Scott and Matt definitely came through big time because Pete and I were looking like we weren't gonna be able to fill everything that we needed yeah. for the pictures and then we contacted those two and they were like, What do you need? We've got plenty. Yeah. Well there you go. <laughs> You you can't really beat that. I mean that that is coming through with the clutch. But still, I I don't want to you know bypass the enormity of this situation because this is big, really big for. Uh, oh, love real talk, love life show. could have made 
we, you know, we realistically, and let's just, we'll just be honest. I think I know we could have made more. Pete and I could have made more money had we decided to release this thing as a self-published book. Um, yeah. But our book wouldn't, our book wouldn't have been as good um, because we definitely made a better book after going with a publisher, um, and we they pushed us to include more information than we would have originally even thought to include. That would especially help um, both beginners and the more advanced athletes. And then also, this will help. The going with the publisher will get the book into more people's hands. And I know that Pete and I both agreed that we both agreed that we wanted. And then, oh, and then the other thing that Pete mentioned is that um, you know, human kinetics uh, will. I, I believe that they they do have some intention to use our book for some continuing continuing education credits for uh, various certifications. And so Pete and I wanted to make a book that wasn't just a, a quick hit moneymaker. We wanted to make a book that would last and that would better the industry. And um, so, you know, that was, that was very important to us when we were putting this together. It, it wasn't just how do we make as much money as we can. It was how do we make this last and how do we make it uh, be something beneficial to the industry as a whole. Very cool. So my mind, my mind travels to the two of you as coaches. How do you see this book enhancing your your business as trainers? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess from my standpoint, it it would you know the the book would get our names out there more and in more people's hands. So potentially in more clients, you know, an influx of clients to work with. Um, potentially also just more opportunities to go give talks and, and travel to gyms and talk about this stuff because that's always a lot of fun too. Um, so, I mean, that's, that, those are probably the biggest things from my standpoint, I would say. Um, yeah, you know, I, I would agree with Pete. I'll say I've been pretty fortunate where um, as for the last few years, I'm usually pretty full with clients. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm, I can't even believe I'm at that point where I get to kind of pick and choose, you know, uh, my, my wait list and things like that. But, um, for the most part, I just think that, um, I think that there are still people that doubt that the approach, the, the type of approach that, you know, Pete and I, use can be used by a variety of people and i think this book will kind of clear up some of that but overall i just think that um you know uh, from my standpoint i I wasn't thinking you know i don't think pete was either in terms of like how this will um help our coaching career but more along the lines of you know just creating a, a, a book that will be something useful in its own because i do think that pete and i you know over the last few years have put out some really good athletes uh, and athlete results. So hopefully when people look at, you know, hiring us as a coach, they'll also look at what we've done with our track record and, and on, and hopefully before they buy the book, they'll even see that we've, you know, really put some good athletes on stage, um, and, at, and, and at their best. And so, um, you know, I hope that we can just kind of continue to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think too, you know, the fact that there's enough information in this book that, you know, maybe someone who couldn't afford to work with one of us as a coach could at least buy the book and have, you know what I mean? Kind of be pointed in the right direction. Oh, you know? absolutely. Um, that's, that's you know, I think point. that could be a huge benefit to, you know, 
you know, someone who maybe can't afford to work with a coach, at least you can get, you know, kind of big picture things, you know, and, and get yourself pointed in the right direction. That is a great point. I'm glad you guys brought that information up because um, I know a lot of people that would, that have you know, Cliff, you know for sure, we've seen it uh, firsthand, people that really could have done so much better if they had the right information. And uh, I've seen you, I remember the American where you put your head down and physique that was just not going to make it as far as potential and for that ship. And it, it, it hurts to see that. I don't think any fan of the support or anybody that loves the industry loves really wants to see a person that's not going to do as well as they could have if they had the correct information. I'm not talking about, you, you know they have the drive, you know they have everything else, but it just hurts when you see that person that isn't going to make the level of what they possibly could have with better coaching. So I'm sure this book is going to help that uh, a lot, especially in, in the sport that we're doing and the up-and-comers that seem to be coming out of the woodwork time and time again. Um, with that you know, being understood, is that a motivator for you writing the book, or is that something that just kind of fell into place as you were going about it? I mean, um, you know, getting I, the information out something we wanted to do. Yeah, but and, yeah, Cliff, and, uh, you had. Yeah, and, and you know, I think you're right that a lot of times, just there are so many people uh, that miss their potential, and I think a, a fundamental problem is a lot of people um, they think if I just work harder, I will look better. And sometimes I think there's a mis there's a misunderstanding of what areas you need to work harder and what areas you're probably working hard unnecessarily. And Pete, how many times have we seen it where pe- people kill themselves trying to get into a show because yeah. because they're 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 working hard in all the wrong areas. The things they're working hard at are just the wrong areas to work hard. And so they get into their show, they've killed themselves, and they still don't look very good. And so I think and, – and then usually those people end up quitting. I mean, I think you'd agree. Um, those people yeah, don't last yeah. in a show or two. And so, um, you know, Pete and I, you're looking at two people who love this sport. Pete and I just love bodybuilding. It has made our lives better on every single level. Um, you know, it's, it's made us better, you know – physically and mentally, I think that he and I would both agree that we're, we're just better on every level. Um, and it's, we've gotten a lot out of it. So when we see people that, uh, give so much effort towards it, but don't get the results or the positive benefits from it that we are seeing, um, you know, something like this is a chance where, you know, and I know Pete, uh, you know, like Pete said, not everyone can afford a coach. Not everyone can get the coach they want to work with. Maybe they're full or, you know, the prices are too high, but this book will be a chance because Pete and I also touch on mentality in this book as well and taking the proper mentality through the process. So I think that this book will be something where we can tell people, all right, what areas do you need to work really, really hard in and what areas might you be working too hard in? And it'll allow people to put forth the effort, get those results and get all of the positive benefits that they may have been missing out on. Right, yeah, I was going to cool. say, I I was going to say, too, I think, Cliff, you can probably relate to this. 
um, you know, where you work with someone who like their last prep was like this absolute, just unnecessarily hard, you know, like hours of cardio a day, like down to starvation, you know, just don't eat carbs from the start type of prep. Um, you know, that was their last prep. Then they work with you. And I, oftentimes they, they, they ask you like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Should I, should I be eating less? Should I be adding more cardio? You know, like they, they almost think like it's, they're not doing something right, but they're actually progressing and, and end up looking better oftentimes. All right. Cool. I mean, and that, I mean, I think that's so important. I think it's good for our listeners to hear is that you can be working your butt off, but just not be working in the right areas. And and that happens and it's not uncommon. And I know sometimes people think that, well, you know, this athlete's been trying and trying and trying for their pro card for such a long time. And then all of a sudden they finally get to the point where they earn one and they're wondering, well, what, you know, what the heck, how come all of a sudden now they're getting it? And it's because they finally worked long enough that they managed to do it, but had they had the right information, they probably could have gotten there a little bit faster. So it's, that's, it's a good understanding that you guys are laying down here. Um, one quick question, and we're going to bounce back to the book, but are, we have some questions about you two as, as athletes yourselves. And this one is from Jake, and he's wondering, now that the book is out of the way and things have settled down a little bit, um, has writing this, you know, motivated you guys to jump back on stage or – has it kind of scratched an itch where you you don't feel that need so much anymore and right now you're in a educating and sharing phase and, and that's all you need at this point. Say Cliff, you just competed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh so I won my pro card in two thousand sixteen. Um, and then I was actually writing a lot of this book while I was in contest prep. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I was, yeah, I was, wow. I was, yeah. Um, I did my, uh, I did my pro debut, um, a, f- a few months ago and then I did a follow-up pro show. Um, I took second place in my pro debut and then my second show, I was the only pro that entered, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I'm, you know, I just finished up. And then, um, so now I'm going to head into an off season for a few more years and get back on stage in either two or three years. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Peter, uh, how about you? Um, yeah, so I, so I won my pro card in 2012. Um, I did, I finished my PhD in 2015. So I did my, uh, first pro shows in 2016. Um, but I, I made, I, I, the last two times, I took an off season. I went four years between shows. I went 2008 to 2012 and my physique improved leaps and bounds. And I did the same thing between 2012 and 2016, um, just leaps and bounds improvements. Um, so I, I coming out of 2016, I knew I was going to probably wait till 2020. And that's, that's still the plan is probably early 2020. Um, it's, it's easier for me to, I'm probably going to be doing early in the year, probably as early as I can, because it's just with clients and things, it's easier for me to compete early or, you know, be dieting for shows over winter when there's not shows and um, compete early before a lot of my clients really get going for the year. So that way I can kind of focus on them more. Um, But that's what I'm probably thinking at this point, as long as all goes well, I'm probably roughly a year and a half-ish or a little less out. 
All right. So there you have it, folks. You can be watching for these guys along the timelines they just shared. This next question is from Brenda, and she wants to know if you are planning to do a follow-up to your book, but with John Gorman. Uh, <laughs> you mean you mean a uh, you mean like a second contest prep book? Yep. Oh uh, no, John and I are great friends, um, but you know, and I think we have a lot of similarities. But one of the reasons I decided to write this book with Pete is that I think that in terms of who I see 100% eye to eye on, because John and I have significantly different methods. And so I see a lot more eye to eye with the approach with Pete. And honestly, I think that when this book comes out, people will see that pretty much everything is covered. So, so I don't even know if there'll really be anything else to, to cover after this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say is, you know, maybe down the road, we, you know, there's always the potential, you know, 10 years down the road, we do like a second edition because our methods change or we see more stuff or more. Yeah research comes out or people try new techniques and they turn out to work pretty well. And, you know, like there's always stuff changing. I mean, I know my approach five, 10 years ago is, you know, is different than my approach now. So, I mean, I'm sure, you know, that would be it, you know, something that may be down the road, but I mean, we got to get this first one out first and see if people actually buy it before, before they they even give us an opportunity to do a second edition. Yeah. (laughs) All right. True. Uh, Yeah. Good point. I I agree. And, and, and I and I do think that, you know, one of the things is like, uh, you know, Pete and I having very similar approaches was important in having a, both of us write this book just because otherwise we would write the book and then we'd be arguing nonstop about which approach would be better. <laughs> so, so, you yeah. know, it, it'd be, uh, you know, Pete and I having, because uh, if Pete and I had differing opinions on approach, then we would write a chapter and we'd probably be, be arguing back and forth about, what was the proper approach on that? But luckily, um, I, I would say of all the of all the coaches out there, um, Pete and I, and, and another coach, uh, Valentin Tambosi, I would say all three of us have extremely similar approaches to contest prep. So, um, you know, that would be, uh, you know, that's why this book flowed really, really naturally for Pete and I to write together. Yeah, and, and, and it does take that to have that kind of format and foundation. But one of the things that I, I I have to go back to, and I just love it, is that, you know, you guys can convert. And one of the things I do love is that you're willing to admit if something isn't working, you're willing to reevaluate it until it does. So that that's going to be great for the book as well. Now, as you've gone through the years, and like Pete was saying, where things have changed, and you realize, well, there is a better method to do it, how quick are you to take that from just the understanding to actual application? I'll start with Cliff on that. Uh, you know, it's funny that you asked that because um, the talk that I gave at last year's Physique Summit, and then I actually just did the talk again um, this past weekend. In uh, I was in Vienna, and I did a, I did a seminar there. And one of my entire um, presentations that I give in one of my seminars is, uh, is all about um, breaking down my career over every few years period and what I change have, what I have changed every few years. And so, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, I think that over the course of time you start to notice trends, but, um, you know, sometimes I think you see things where you're like, okay, maybe this might be a little bit better than what I've been doing, but in general, you know, you have to be sure. So a lot of times you wait for sufficient evidence to show itself. 
um, whether it be through research or anecdotal evidence. You know, I don't know how Pete handles it, but, you know, I start to usually get an inclination that something might be better than what I've been doing. And then I'll either test through anecdotal evidence or I look at the research and see what the research is saying that's coming out. And then, um, you know, once I, once I feel like I have sufficient evidence, I don't hesitate. I'm going to change it right away because, you know, I see so many coaches that they're like, the, and Pete, I know you can relate to this. When Pete and I first got into coaching and into the sport, we were both pretty young. And sometimes people would say things like, and we were proposing newer ideas. And sometimes people would say, well, I've been bodybuilding for 20 years, and this is the way I've always done it. And I think to myself, uh, you haven't changed what you've done in 20 years. Like how <laughs> in the hell, how in the hell does that happen? Not once in 20 years have you ever looked at yourself and thought, maybe I could be doing things a little bit better. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of changing things because ultimately um, it doesn't do Pete and I any good to stay stubbornly stay the same because it only hurts ourselves and our clients if we aren't giving people the best possible methods. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I was going to say one thing, one thing I oftentimes do too is use myself as the Guinea pig on things. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you probably do have done the same over the years. Um, oh God. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. Yeah. Before you like actually do it with a client, you, all right, well, I'm going to try this and see how it works, <laughs> you know, and you know, at least, you know, maybe, maybe you stumble across something good, maybe not, you know, and, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's usually an approach I take is that, you know, at least I usually try most things before I try them with a client, you know, if there's a training approach or some sort of technique I want to try in the gym with a client, I'm probably going to go do that first, you know, for a little while and see if it's worth it or how it goes for me. And, you know, that's, if it's worth trying with someone who's actually paying me for advice. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's good. That's good. Glad to know that you guys work it out first before <laughs> rolling it out yeah. on the uh, the rest of us. That is always, always, always comforting. Um, so we we're guys. We only really have a couple minutes left of the show, and it's always a sad part when we come to that end of it. And I know out of what did you say? You had seventeen thousand words, or seventeen thousand, or seventy-two thousand words, or how many ever thousands of words? Seventy-five thousand that you had. So I'm going to ask you to do a very difficult job and just pick out either one or two a piece, um, either your favorite or you think the most valuable takeaways from your book. And it doesn't have to be real in-depth, just the highlights, but just enough to canalize our listeners so they're going to be out there on Amazon purchasing their pre-orders as soon as we get off of this off of this podcast. So give us, lay on us either your one or two top things that you think are most important from your book. Um, I would say that there's a lot of other stuff besides nutrition and training that make you a good bodybuilder. Um, you know, one of the things Cliff talked about before is show selection. And there's all kinds of other things we get into details of that you know, just big picture things that can make you better. I mean, yes, we have nutrition and training chapters and, and things like that. And we go into those details too, but there's more than that. Um, and I think that's, that would probably be a big, you know, take home. It's not just like Cliff said, it's not just macros and do this workout. There's a lot more to it. All right, cool. Cliff. Yeah, I, I would agree. I do think, um, Oddly enough, I do think that the show selection chapter will surprise people. 
um, because we really break that down. Um, and while it's maybe not the most essential, I think that in the Pete Week chapter, people will hear things that they've never read before. I think Pete would agree with that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, both of us have done some fairly extreme peaking approaches. You probably more than me, but um, I've definitely <laughs> done some of them too. And, and you know, I, I just had a client put down what, 1,375 grams of carbs the day before Worlds, you know, just like a <laughs> yeah. month ago? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and, and so I think the Peak Week chapter will be different. And and, and now, and from a mentality standpoint, um, I even think the – because Pete, Pete, Pete and I uh, are both huge advocates of making sure our clients are in the correct mental space to approach this sport because this sport is so hard you have to have the correct mental space. And um, I, I honestly think the the final like epilogue will help put people in the correct um, for what will be needed as they go, go, uh, upon, uh, go out into their journey. So I think, I think some of those things are really good. And like Pete said, you know, the training and nutrition chapters are going to, you know, round up a lot of the research and, you know, things like that. But I think that the things that make great bodybuilders sometimes go beyond just macros and training, like exactly like Pete said. All right, very good. So one last time, guys, let's give our listeners the full title of your book. So if they are looking to go out on Amazon and uh, get their order put in, they know what they're what they're searching for. Yeah, it's uh, Bodybuilding the Complete Contest Preparation Handbook. All right, there you have it by Peter Fitzen. And am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> Uh, I feel like yeah. I murder it. Yeah. Okay, I think it's that yeah. S in there that throws me every time. Yeah, the time S is just kind of silent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter Fitchin, Cliff Wilson, bodybuilding, the, was it ultimate or complete? complete. I'm already messing it up. The complete? <laughs> there you, you go. The wrong, so you got the, the book wrong, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's why that's why we have the experts on the show to get all the correct information out there where I'm not. I'm going to give my version of it. So anyway, guys, <laughs> go out there, check Amazon, reserve your Amazon? copy of the book, Amazon? and uh, Amazon. Amazon. You, you heard Amistad? me. Don't pick. With, no, not Amazon. Not Amistad. <laughs> not my son. Don't pick with me, Kaylin. All right, guys, yes, thanks ma'am. so much for being on the show and talking about your book. It's been fantastic. I know our listeners have enjoyed you thoroughly. Peter, we have uh, had the pleasure of having you on before, Cliff. Um, not so much, but I know that they're looking forward to hearing from both of you some more in the future. So hopefully we'll get a chance to get you guys back on and talk about some different aspects of natural bodybuilding. For sure. Awesome. Thanks All for having righty, us on, people. Hey, Thanks, no guys. problem. So so with that being said, listener land, on behalf of our authors tonight, Peter and Cliff, the boys from P for P Muscle, Kaylin, myself, your body is a temple. With Snickerdoodle.